Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. But the new year has begun, 26 days in, almost a month in. You know, for many people, this is sort of the beginning of actually like the year starts for them. You know, they've been on holidays and uh, been doing different things. And uh, then they get back to work and think, okay, normality has to kick in from now on. And so, uh, you know, often, you know, at the start of the year, I think about, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity. I know it's only a turning of a page of one calendar year to another calendar year, but I think it's a great opportunity for us to think about our lives, think about the things that, that we're really uh, wanting to change. Some, some people, they're changing habits, changing plans. New Year's resolution. Some people, they're even changing courses or jobs. But, uh, you know, like I, go, I don't go to that sort of drastic uh, sort of measures, but I start to think, okay, what am I believing for in the new this year? You know, what am I believing for in God this year? And I think it's a great opportunity, something that I'd love to encourage you with this year is to go, okay, right now, no matter what your year has begun like, use this opportunity to think about what do I want this year to be? What are things that maybe held on to me last year? You know, you can reflect back on last year as, you know, positive or negative or somewhere in between. But this is a, an opportunity for us all to, to put a line in the stand and say, hey, we're going to step forward, believing for something new. I don't want to step into this year with old mindsets. Amen. I don't want to step into to this year with old baggage from last year. I don't want to step in with, with wrong thinking, wrong believing that holds me back because I believe that God has something great for me this year. And I believe that God has something great for you this year. Can I get an amen this morning? You know, I started one of the new things that I started this year is I've been starting to read a, a new devotional plan. And, and I've been reading um, something from Pastor Joseph Prince called 100 Days, 100 Days of Right Believing. And I've been really just uh, enjoying that and really studying that. And, uh, and I, I think it's always a great place for us all to be in as, as leaders, as Christians, as, as pastors or you know, to think, okay, there's aspects of all of our thinking and all of our lives that's right believing and right thinking. But there's also aspects of every single one of us, if we would be honest, that is wrong believing. And we need to bring that to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, give me enlightenment. Give me revelation around what do I live out because of my experiences? What do I live out because of the things that, that I've learned or I've seen or I've studied or I've experienced or, or different things that happened in my life, my upbringing? You know, they say that, that the first five years, experts say, they call it the, the, the forming, the formative years where patterns and behaviors and thought processes are starting to be formed in your life. We've all heard that before, I'm sure, but they say that quite often those patterns, those thinking, those behaviors won't actually change unless something happens in our life, a major event. Well, I believe in the, in the work of the Holy Spirit to also bring change to those things that maybe are wrong thinking or wrong believing, amen? And I believe as we gather together this morning, we can say, God, come and bring me fresh revelation. I don't want to walk into this year still with the old mindsets, the old ways. I want to step in with fresh vision, believing for something new this year. Can I get an amen this morning? And it all starts with what do you believe? What do you believe? What is your, what is your thought process? What is your belief system? You know, Pastor Joseph Prince puts it this way. What you believe is powerful. If you can change what you believe, 
you can change your life. It all begins with what you believe, not what you experience, not what you feel, not what, what you think even. It's actually what you believe. It's what you believe about yourself. What do you believe about yourself? It's what you believe about others. It's what you believe about your past and, and even more importantly, what you believe about your future. But at the, at the end of the day, the, the foundation, the core of all of this is what do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? It's, it's, it ultimately will affect how you live out your life and will set you on the course of your future. I want us to open our Bibles this morning and we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 4. Because I want to spend some time really starting to think about, do we really understand our position in Christ and what do we believe about God and how we relate to God and how God relates to us? And I want us to look at a passage that we're going to use as our key passage this morning. 1 John chapter 4 verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. You know, I want us to focus for a moment on verse 16. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You know, it's one thing to know something, amen. You know, it's one thing to have a knowledge in our minds. Someone told us it's one thing to hear it. We can't just know it. We need to believe it. We can't just have heard about it. We need to believe it. And, and the, the starting point right here is this simple fact. What we need to believe is this. God loves you. God loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God loves me. Say, God loves me. I don't know about you, but it feels a little like it's easy to tell someone that God loves them, but sometimes it feels a little bit like not as natural to say God loves me. Because then we sort of are faced with the fact, you know, like, I know myself. I know who I am. I know the fact that I have these shortcomings. I know that, that you know, God loves me, but, but if but if people knew who I really was and what I've done this week and what I've thought and the things I've struggled with, you know, the simple fact that God loves you, but not only that, God loves you unconditionally. And this needs to be the foundation of how we believe and how we walk out our lives. God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. See, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 that we just read, it says, We love God because He first loved us. We can love God because He first loved us. But, you know, many of us have heard this. Many of us have thought this. And we would say, yeah, I know this to be the truth in my life. But, but you know, maybe in our, in, our, in our minds. But however we actually live out our life, the opposite way. 
we say this, we believe God loves us because we loved Him first. God can love me because I loved Him. God loves me because I put my hand up and prayed a prayer and accepted Him. God loves me because I'm, I'm being good this week, because I'm showing Him I love Him so I know that God's going to give me favor. I know that as I lift up my, my, my hands in worship, as I take communion, God's going to love me. God's going to bless me because I've read my Bible this week, because I've prayed this week, because I've been good to people, because I've lived out my life in a way that pleases God. You know, as a parent, I, I often think about things that I've been told growing up in church, but, but when you become a parent, you start to sort of not just know the theory, you know what it really means to, to love a child. And the truth is, wouldn't it be crazy if, if I said to my kids, I said, all right, there's a bunch of things that you need to do to be a part of the Anderson household. One of the things is clean your rooms, do the dishes, make sure you look after the pets. And, uh, and you know, one particular week, my son Noah, he says, like, I've done all those and I, you know, I've just nailed them. And I'm like, oh, Noah, I love you. I love you unconditionally because you've, you've cleaned your room, you've vacuumed the floors, you've done the dishes. And then Charlotte comes and says, oh, I'm sorry, Dad, I haven't, I haven't done all of them. I've just, you know, done, I've vacuumed my floor and that's it. And I said, well, look, I love you a little bit this week, but not as much as I love Noah, who's done it all. And then, and then Madison comes to me and says, oh, and I've done none of them. I've, I've just, I've been distracted doing puzzles this week. Uh, it's been really important that I do these puzzles, uh, and I haven't had time to do any of them. And I'm like, well, Madison, how can I love you this week? Because you haven't done the things that I've asked you to do. I mean, that would be crazy to think a parent would think that, that way. But sometimes we think, God, our Heavenly Father, thinks about us that way. If we've been good enough this week, God's going to bless me. If I, if I just did the things that I know is right in my heart to please God, God's ways, then He's going to show His favor towards me. He's going to show His love if I am praying and reading my Bible and doing all the right things. I came to church, and so I'm going to receive more of His love. I know it seems crazy, church, but that's how we actually live out some of our belief systems in practice. But God is here to say, as we look this year, and I'm, I'm sure that those were, that were paying attention to church news and some of the things that you've seen already starting to go up in our, in our foyer. This year, we're starting to think about family. And we can celebrate the fact that as we come to church, we are a part of this family. But ultimately, we can do that because we have a Heavenly Father who has put together this picture of healthy family that we get to experience and we get to understand and we, we get to live out. You know, Jesus came to this earth to teach us about the Father's love. Jesus came to this earth so that we would understand what it means when we would say these things that, that we are loved, but not just loved, but loved unconditionally. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 15 speaks about three different parables. Now, I'll give you the context. What was happening at the time is that Jesus was starting to, to minister. He was starting to, to preach and teach and starting to do these miracles. And he was wandering around and and uh, the, the religious leaders, particularly the Pharisees, had some issues with Jesus because what Jesus was doing is he was starting to associate with the, the sinners, or as the Bible puts it, the notorious sinners of that time, the tax collectors that would steal money from people and, 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 and other people that were known, you know, prostitutes and other people that were known to be sinners. And not only would he associate with them, he would dine with them. 
and he would eat with them and things that was was just it would in old law and old thinking would would make you unclean if you associated with these these people but Jesus said hey the father's love and my love is for these people and he starts to to tell these three parables and the first parable is the parable of the, of the lost sheep the second parable in found in Luke chapter 15 is the parable of the lost coin and the third is the parable of the lost son. And really each one of these parables speaks about God's love for people, even people that have drifted away, even people that are lost, even people that have wandered into other things. And and Jesus tells his story and we're going to pick it up and really focus on the parable of the lost sheep this morning. Luke chapter 15 verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strained, strayed away. You know, I don't know uh, whether you're, you're a visual person. I, I grew up in church hearing stories like this and, and someone would read it. But I love the fact that, you know, growing up in children's church, you know, there would be picture Bibles and there would be like, you know, the old felt boards and you'd stick the sort of picture of the, the shepherd and the sheep and we'd sort of start to act it out. You know, for those that are visual people, I want to paraphrase what's happening in this story. I know it seems simple, but let's talk about it this morning. Jesus tells this story, this parable of the hundred sheep, the shepherd and the shepherd's hundred sheep. And let's say this section here this morning on the floor is the hundred sheep. Welcome. I'm the good shepherd. You're my sheep this morning. You're looking fine, looking really good, healthy. You know, maybe a couple of you need to be shorn, but that's okay. We'll just, we'll get to that. But there's one naughty sheep that wants to... Wants to stray away. There's always one, the, the, the black sheep of the family. And, uh, and uh, this, it says in, you know, Jesus telling this story that, that this lost sheep, this sheep, you know, what if one of the hundred leaves the flock and starts to wander away, starts to stray, starts to, to just uh, walk away from the flock. And, uh, and it says that what the shepherd would do is he would leave the 99. Hey, 99, just look, there's some good hay, there's some good grass, just just stay together, hang out, don't go anywhere, I'll be back. Leaves the 99. And uh, the Bible tells us, Jesus says that the shepherd, the good shepherd, starts to seek and search out this sheep, looking for the sheep. Where is this one sheep that's straight away? Where is this one lost sheep that's been a bad boy or girl? This naughty sheep that's wandered away, it's like, you know, maybe it's over here. Maybe it's over there. And it starts, and he's just relentlessly looking for this lost sheep until he finds, oh, no, you're not the lost sheep. No, just keep, keep looking until he finally finds, there you are, Sean the sheep. Nathan the sheep, you've been a bad boy. And then what uh, the shepherd does is he Okay, help me here, church. This is going to be, uh, says in the Bible that he raises him up over his shoulder 
and carry. Okay, let's try. Oh my God. He ca- takes the sheep. Why didn't we choose a smaller sheep? I'm not sure. A sheep that's clearly been enjoying a bit of Christmas. A bit too much. I could do an injury. And he, I'm not going to go on stage. Sit next to your wife's sheep and behave yourself. And he brings the sheep back. My goodness. That was a workout. Next time I'm going to choose a much smaller sheep. He carries him back on his shoulders. Some, some versions of the Bible says he raises him, lifts him up. You know, what I, what I realize about that picture is often we think about it, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pet owner, and what I realize with my pet is I need to be like sometimes harsh with the pet to teach the dog not to go to certain places, otherwise it's going to repeat the behavior. And we sometimes think that, that the shepherd did that with the sheep, and we have this picture of the shepherd coming to the lamb, coming to the sheep and, and starting to, 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 you know, hit it and to tell it off and to yell at it and to say, you've been a bad sheep. Why did you wander away? You've been a naughty little sheep. I mean, others have this picture of what would have happened at that time, but it says in the Bible that that the the good shepherd lifts up the sheep on its shoulder, raises up the sheep and carries it back to the place of safety. I'm still puffed out. Just, Just take a moment, turn to your neighbor. Welcome to church. You just have a mingle time until I just catch my breath again. We practiced this during the week, and, uh, and my choices were Pastor Nathan or, or Pastor Jesse, who's mysteriously just like disappeared. Clearly, Jesse didn't want to be the sheep, and, uh, and it was a tough choice. And uh, I think um, Pastor Nathan was maybe one kilogram lighter, so we went with Pastor Nathan. But the point is that we have this picture about what, what would have happened And as we understand, this is what happened. As the shepherd gets there, lifts up the sheep and brings it back to safety. We don't hear or read in any of these passages. In fact, when we speak about, and Jesus speaks about the lost son, it seems like the the, the treatment of the lost son is, is unfair in some ways to the son that had been faithful and been around. But see, the joy of the shepherd's heart is to see that even though the, sh- the sheep had strayed away, wandered away. The joy was, I'm so grateful that I've found this lost sheep and he's come back into the flock. We sometimes think this story is about the unsaved. We sometimes think about uh, the story is about people that have got themselves caught in these, these addictions and these, 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 these bad behaviors. That, and, and look, that is true in part. Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to be their healer and their savior. But if you're a part of a flock, God sees you as part of his flock, then maybe also we too as Christians can sometimes wander away. I don't know if you've ever wandered away from God's best plan for your life. I wonder if you've ever wandered away from his love, his presence. Maybe you've allowed doubt to come into your life. Maybe you've allowed different things to come in to distract you. Maybe it's simply the busyness of life. And if we all be honest, we'd all say, yeah, yeah, there has been times that I've wandered away from the presence of God. 
I've wandered away from the, the good shepherd, the leading of the good shepherd. You know, I, if, if I be honest, I've done that myself. Times where you sort of take charge for yourself. Oh, if I just live a certain way, if I just, you know, if I make it happen, if I make it work, it's all going to be good. And we start to allow doubt and fear and anxiety and different things to start to lead us rather than the good shepherd. And for people that are here that will be honest enough to say, yeah, I've been, I've been like that, I've wandered away. Then I've got good news for you this morning that we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd that loves us unconditionally. That doesn't come to seek us and find us and search for us just so that he can tell us off. Actually comes to search for us, to find us so that he can love us again. So he can bring us back into that place of protection. He can come and he can lead our life because he has a great future for us. But it begins with understanding whose we are. And how we relate as Jesus wants to be the good shepherd in our life. See, as I look about this, this, back to this illustration, this is a story, a parable of a sheep that walks away from the flock. And as the good shepherd seeks it out, searches for it until he finds it, he raises up the sheep and he brings it back into that place of safety. What does the sheep do? Nothing. Nothing. The sheep is just found and then just submits itself to the good shepherd as the shepherd raises it, lifts it up and carries it back. You know, I think about this. It is not our role and responsibility, church, to be the shepherd of our life. And we need to know that this is the sort of key point right now. You need to get it into your heart. This is what God spoke to me about as I was thinking about this idea. It is not your role to be the shepherd of your life. We sometimes think if I lead my life well enough, if I make all the right choices, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And we start to take the place of Jesus, the good shepherd. Our role is to surrender to Jesus. And it's Jesus' role to be the good shepherd of our life. Do you get that revelation? Takes the pressure off us. We're trying to be so good to earn God's love, to to just make sure that we're living in the right way. And I wonder if we would switch it up in our minds and say, my role is not to be the leader of my life, not to be the shepherd of my life. My role is to surrender into the arms of the good shepherd. Aren't we thankful that we have a good shepherd in our life? Jesus, the good shepherd, he doesn't look at you and say, you've been a naughty little sheep this week. And so you're going to get told off and I'm not going to accept you. Oh my goodness, there is a love for us from the Father that is unconditional. Even if you feel like the beginning of your year has been one that you would like to forget. God says, I still love you. I still accept you. I love you unconditionally. The greatest thing that we can do is say, thank you. I accept your love and I surrender myself. Not when I'm ready, not when I'm good enough, not when I've fixed everything up. Sometimes we are, but but wait, God, I'll come to you and I'll worship and I'll surrender and I'll I'll kneel at the front. Once I've fixed a few things up, I'll start to to step into the course that you have for my life. There's people here that God is saying, hey, there's a a path that I want to lead you in this year. It's going to be stepping out. It's going to be good, but you've got to step out and we'll just wait until I'm ready. When I'm good enough, when I've fixed a few things, But God is saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd. You know, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 23, and we know it well, but start to think about it again from this point of revelation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
See, David, the psalmist, can only write that when he has a revelation that I don't lead my life. I have a good shepherd that leads my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And He renews my strength. And He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. I wonder if the worship team can come. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Do you know that today? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.